Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Folks, the month of June is heating up with a ton of exciting sports action, and Bet Online is where you can find it. From basketball and hockey playoffs to baseball's marquee matchups, including prop bets and futures, BetOnline has all the latest odds, news, and information for all of your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next tip-off, face-off, or pitch, head on over to BetOnline and start playing today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Hi again, everybody. Mike and Mark with you. And thanks, as always, so much for subscribing. Our guest on this edition anchored pitching staffs for the better part of a decade plus in the big leagues, even won a strikeout title along the way. And Mark, Aaron Harang always seemed like the kind of starting pitcher who was solid and reliable. And I would think that teammates would love that over the course of a grinding and long season. Yeah, Mike, the guy that you needed in the rotation because he's going to eat up innings. He's also going to win you ball games. The consistency of taking the ball. Just for example, in 2006, Mike, 35 games started, 234 in the third innings pitched. He led the league with 216 strikeouts, six complete games. That's a dying uh, aspect to the game right now. But Aaron Harang knew how to go about his business, and I can't wait to hear his stories. Aaron, 14 seasons in the big leagues, eight teams. Well-traveled, man. You've seen a lot. You look back at that remarkable career. What is it that stands out most to you? You know, I think the biggest thing for me is I'm one of the fortunate ones that I got out of it with no surgeries. Wow. Which is throwing That's that extremely many, rare. That many innings. Well, besides an appendectomy, I mean, you know, <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, emergency appendectomy in 09, but other than that, no, no holes in the arms, no zipper, no nothing, so. 2,322 innings. My goodness, that's a heck of a workload. What do you attribute that health to? You know, I think uh, mechanics. Uh, I had very repeatable mechanics. And I could tell, and it took time to get there, but it it was, you know, I could, t- I could tell when something was wrong, when something was off. Uh, I could tell by the feel. And... You know, obviously, a lot of work in the off season preparing for that. Um, you know, not extensive shoulder maintenance stuff, but I did my share of shoulder maintenance stuff, and we did incorporate that a lot in the, my lifting program. Uh, you know, it was uh, we would do heavy stuff, a lot of interval training uh, instead of just let's go upper body today, lower body tomorrow. And that was, that was over time. That was kind of worked in and, and a lot of communication with the strength coaches uh, and them willing to let me do that. I think that's, uh, you know, I, that's, that's one that's of the most of, standout uh, elements of your career, clearly, is your reliability. Uh, you were there yeah. to post for your teammates all the time. And with that said, you had five consecutive opening day starts for the Reds. You led the National League in wins and strikeouts in 06. On a personal level, do you find any of those or perhaps something else to be your signature moment? You know, um, it, it was actually one of probably one of the coolest things was when I did get my call up, 
I was one of the rarities where as a rookie, you, you don't, they don't expect a whole lot from you necessarily. And they didn't really know much about me. I, I wasn't even on the roster started the season in double a, this was an O2 uh, on that Moneyball team in Oakland you know, yeah. of, of all teams. And I went through to double a, I was there for, I made three starts there. Then I went to triple a made it was there for a month and then was in the big leagues. And my debut, I went seven innings, gave up three hits and had 10 punch outs and gave up no runs. So it's kind of one of those odd, you know, I think the last guy in A's history to do it was actually Tim Hudson, which was a teammate of mine at the time. But you don't see that out of, you know, rookies when they come up, especially in their first outing. So, yeah, Aaron, it's interesting because you, you mentioned that money ball aspect, uh, getting drafted by the Oakland A's uh, and, and you mentioned it too and and this is what really is important on this podcast is you get that call up um, take us through what went through that call up before that first start before that first win uh, how did it go down who'd you call and uh, what happened in, in in that situation you know uh, it's it's crazy um, and two I wasn't even drafted by the A's I was drafted by the Rangers I got traded in the minor leagues for right. uh, for Randy Velarde who in 02, I ended up being teammates with him. I mean, of all the things, you know, it's kind of crazy small world, but uh, I started the year in double A. Um, I think my first three starts, I went seven innings apiece, and then got called up uh, to pitch in triple A on short notice because somebody got hurt and the big team, you know, trickle, trickle down effect. Uh, so one of the triple A starters went up. I went up and pitched and pitched for Bob Guerin and Pitch lights out. You know, first day, first outing was on three days rest. Pitch five innings for, for Bob. And uh, then I made another start a week, you know, five days later in Wichita. And I think I went six or seven that game. And I thought I was going back down because they told me originally it was a, you know, two or three start deal. And then you're going back. And Bob called me in an office and, he, and I, said what so what's the deal am i going back and he goes if you're gonna pitch like this no chance <laughs> um and so i ended up staying there and pitching really well for him we were in new orleans and i was i went out to pitch and i had like a scoreless streak going i think it was like i don't know 22 23 innings something like that and first inning i give up a, a ball down the right field line guy ended up getting a triple and scored on a sack fly and then he pulled me after the first inning and I went into the dugout. I was mad. I was like, because I heard guys warming up in the pen. I'm like, what is going on? I, you know, I'm not, I'm into just, I'm into the game right then. And uh, I got mad at him. I started yelling at him in the dugout. I'm not coming out of this game. He goes, well, yeah, you are. Cause you're starting in like four days in Oakland and just kind of dumbfounded. Like, wait, what? <laughs> and so, so first thing I did, I took off and I go, and I, I ended up going and calling my wife who was had started her temp job in Sacramento at the time that day. Wow. And so first day on the job, she has to go back in telling him, sorry, I got to leave. <laughs> and uh, then I called my dad. Well, my dad was listening to the game on the computer and the announcer, I don't remember who the announcer was. He would be able to, he'd, he'd know it off the top of his head. Um, said, well, kind of looks like one of those typical things just to touch up before he goes into the big show. That's why they're pulling him out. And oh, wow. Yeah, and but my whole team knew. Garen told him that inning when I went out to pitch, he told the everybody in the dugout. So everybody in the dugout knew that I was coming out after the first inning. So 
to watch my reaction. So he'd like set it up perfect. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was just, it was crazy. And then I couldn't even get in, almost didn't even get into the stadium the day I'm making my debut. One of the security guards was like, yeah, some new kid's coming up. And I'm like, dude, it's me. Like, <laughs> can I get the stadium? I had no credentials. I didn't have anything. It was just, yeah, it was, it was nuts. And just one security guard and I'm going, yeah, some, some big right-hander. I'm like, dude, me sitting in the truck, right? I'm, I'm supposed to go in and I'm pitching today. So yeah, it was, uh, that was quite a, quite a stretch going into uh major league debut. So. So as if security guards routinely see six foot seven inch, 260 pound right-handers walking through the concourse, they just didn't even think, well, maybe, maybe that guy happens to be a big league player. I, I was, I was telling, dude, call somebody in the clubhouse. Like, like, you know, the only time, the only guy I talked to is Mickey Morabito. And, uh, you know, I'm like, call, dude, call him. Like somebody has got to let me in. I got to, <laughs> otherwise you ain't got no starter today. So, <laughs> and it, so it was, it was, it was a lot of, it was crazy going into it, but, uh, a lot of fun. So what was it like when you walked into the clubhouse and you see the big league locker room, walk us through that. Oh man. You know, uh, in, in anybody that's been into the Oakland Coliseum, I mean, it's, it's nothing to, it's, it's an old stadium. And, uh, so you walk in, you go down the big flight of stairs going down and, uh, going to the clubhouse. I mean, of course the music's just blasting. Um, and I walked in and I, I met, uh, Vus for the first time. And, you know, he said, Oh, we, Hey, we got all your stuff set up in your locker, blah, blah. Here we go. I'll take you in. So he took me in and you, know, you walk in and, and that clubhouse isn't huge, longer clubhouse. Uh, but I remember hearing Billy Koch screaming at somebody and like, <laughs> you know, just got, and I look over and card games are going on. And I remember, uh, and I knew Eric Chavez from high school. We played against each other in high school and, and Zito as well. And then uh, Mark Ellis, who was in AAA with us for a bit before he got called up, you know, so I knew those three guys going in. Um, you know, but you walk in and uh, you got Terrence Long and Dave Justice and Jermaine Dye and, you know, the whole list of guys, the lockers are right there. You're just like, whoa, okay, wow, this is kind of kind of crazy that I'm here. Um, you know, and so I went through and I did all my stuff. And I remember my, uh, my scouting meeting. I sit down and uh, Greg Myers, Crash, was yep. catching me. And we sit, he sits down and he goes, all right, kid, um, you want to do well, just don't shake me off. And he got up and like walked away. And I was like, <laughs> okay. You know, I mean, we came back and we kind of went over stuff, but it was fun. I like, well, I didn't shake him off and I mean, look at what happened. So yeah. I, I got to give him a lot of credit on that, on that day. Man. I was uh, pretty nervous. I went down, uh, you know, normally you go down about 30 to 40 minutes early. I went down, and sat in the dugout for like 15 minutes before the game just to kind of get used to how big the stadium was. Uh, Aaron, so, you said you said four or five days uh, until your start when you found out. Uh, did your family make it to the game? Yeah, they all drove up from San Diego. Uh, my my folks drove up, and um, my brother, where was he at? He was playing because he was playing for San Diego State. Um, and so they watched online. They were tracking online. I think they were in Utah or something. And uh, my wife and her family and brother and aunts and a couple aunts and uncles, they drove up. I think I had like 20 tickets left that day. And that was when 
tickets were just, they just kind of here, pass them out. Yeah. As many as you want. It's, it's not like it is where you only get, you know, four or five now. So. Aaron, take us down uh, to uh, the bullpen because uh, obviously this is a different start. You were very successful, but what were the emotions uh, going down the bullpen and uh, stepping on that major league mound for the first time? Yeah, uh, it was, it was a lot. And, you know, you just go in and, and they always talk about, you know, you can tell guys that can adapt to it when they get in there. And I mean, that third tier of the, of the stadium is, rather intimidating you know you, you don't you don't get in a stadium you know triple a double a i mean you have the one and then you might have a lower little suite level uh you know or some some club seats up there but you know once you get that big tier and that you realize how small you are compared to how big that building is it's uh it can be overwhelming anybody give you some uh, sage advice because as you pointed out you had some really good veteran players on that team including the big three and Hudson, Zito, and Mulder. Uh, any poignant advice to help you that first time you towed the slab? Well, besides Greg just telling me never to shake him off, um, <laughs> you know, they just said just just go out and, and be you, like be what you you've been doing. Don't don't try and change what you're doing when you get here. Just go out and, and be you. And um, yeah, I went out. I the first first hitter. I think I walked on four pitches. So I'm I'm out there thinking, oh, this is how this is going to go. And you know, I was able to just finally calm down. I ended up striking out the side after that. So it was, uh, you know, it was, it was a exciting, very emotional, kind of overwhelming day. But I was able to, uh, you know, kind of control my control my emotions and my my uh, heartbeat after. You know, I always say get that first pitch in, and and everything will just kind of calm down from there. Yeah, Aaron, it's interesting. Uh, seven innings, three hits, 10 Ks in your debut. What a debut. Um, uh, manager was Art Howe, who had a lot of respect in the game of baseball. Uh, did you have a meeting with him, and, and what was that exchange like, and what was it like playing for him? You know, I, I really liked playing for Art, and and one thing that Art told me, you know, I, I had been, I started out, you know, I had a great debut. Um, you got the win that day, and then, you know, I had a couple – rocky starts and then had a couple good ones and art just told me he you know he came out in the outfield one day and he was talking to me he said listen you keep doing what you're doing and just if you stay on that even keel line where it's just kind of you're going to have your ups and downs but he's like don't ever let yourself get too high and don't ever let yourself get too low and he goes if you can just ride that wave of consistency you're going to be around a long time um and lo and behold, he was not lying to me. So, uh, you know, that was one of the big things I took from him is just stay as consistent as you can, um, you know, and, and go out and just give your team a chance to win. You but, mentioned that 2002 team being uh, as successful, the Moneyball team that, that it was, 103-win club, and in there was Tim Hudson, Barry Zito, Mark Mulder, as I mentioned, and yourself, all guys 24 to 26 years old. So right in that same slot, were you aware – at the time of not only how good the team was comparative to the rest of the league, but how different that A's organization was at the time. You know, I mean, they, they always, they always preached um, location movement than velocity. And, and so, and that was, that was one of Rick Peterson's kind of things was, we're going to locate, we're going to make the ball move. And then 
velo is going to be the third thing that we're going to worry about. And so, you know, so it wasn't, you weren't out there trying to, and I mean, all those guys, they were throwing low to mid nineties at that point, but they were sinking and, and cutting and, you know, pulling the string on change-ups and just, they were never, you know, they weren't one dimensional pitchers. They were, they, I mean, they had a full arsenal of, you know, stuff to throw at anybody at any given time and could throw strikes in any count. And I think that's a, that's a big thing that, you know, it's kind of a, I feel like it's kind of a lost, it's a lost art now. Yeah, it sure is. I mean, you got to pack your lunch when you go into Oakland uh, facing that type of staff and you were just added to that, which I think is interesting. Uh, Another interesting aspect in your rookie year is you start realizing and seeing your rookie card. Do you remember the first time you saw that and how cool was that? Did you feel like you just made it when you saw your rookie card? Yeah. You know, um, and, and that's the crazy part is like, yeah, you see, you know, I had uh, a prospect card in the minor leagues and I actually remember taking that picture <laughs> that day that it was just, you know, it was, oh, gosh, can't remember his name, but uh, you know, I mean, it's the guy that just wandered around. He would get usually get yelled at by the, yeah. um, you know, the PR guys, hey, get off the field. Hey, I got to get one more picture, you know? <laughs> um, but I remember doing that, but yeah, once you, once I got my, first rookie card where i'm in the age uniform i was just like wow this is this is pretty awesome and you know it's funny because i mean the lineup even that the race had at the time you know they had greg vaughn i think mcgriff was on that team you know there was guys i knew from san diego history playing in san diego and stuff but i i didn't i wasn't like crazy overwhelmed you know i was i was in awe but it was like it, it wasn't, there wasn't that super, super big name yet. And I mean, I, I faced Houston, saw the killer bees and I was like, wow, these guys are great. But the first time, I think it was my fourth start. Um, we went into Cincinnati and, um, when Griffey walked up, I was just like, uh, wow. Okay. This is <laughs> where I'm at, right? This is where I'm at right now. Okay. Uh, and lo and behold, and I ended up playing with them. And so it was, it was, it was kind of a cool surreal thing going in and you see all of a sudden you see King Griffey Jr. coming up and then wait oh Barry Larkin's coming up you know another future Hall of Famer so it's like wow this is this is where I'm at this is this is pretty cool. Were you surprised when you were then traded to Cincinnati before that uh, 03 season or in that 03 season? I it was, say? Yeah it was middle middle of the season so um, you know I went back to AAA I mean we had a ridiculous starting staff in AAA in 03 um, and then, you know, I was pitching well, get called up. It kind of had some ups and downs and was kind of that fifth long guy kind of situation. Cause they weren't skipping those first three guys. They were every fifth day. So if my spot came up and there was going to be an off day, well, well you're going to go be the long guy this week, just in case. And, but those guys went seven, eight, nine innings, like every start. So when the four guy was getting through five, maybe into the sixth. And all of a sudden, you know, okay, the bullpen's warming up. When it came to my spot, I was like second inning. If I got a runner on second, bullpen's up and going. Cause that's the only time they're going to get work is when I, if I fall in a hole or I fall behind one nothing, I'm probably getting pulled by the third inning. So the bullpen can get work and stay sharp <laughs> because those other guys were just, 
innings eaters, you know, and the only guy that worked on those days was Billy Koch, you know, throwing the ninth inning. So. Well, if we look at it uh, and you're in the Reds uniform, uh, some of the tip of the cap situations is that you uh, get five straight opening days where you get the nod to pitch. Uh, one of those is really special. Uh, do you remember your first and what did that mean to you? Yeah, that was uh, when they first called me in to tell me I was going to get the opening day start. I was kind of in, in shock, um, but was really honored. And but that I mean, if once you after your first one, you kind of get used to it. But that first day was just chaos. Uh, that first opening day, because uh, President Bush was coming to throw out their first pitch. You know, and so wow. there's so much, there was so much hype and security going on, like just a few days leading up to it. Uh, and they told us, listen, you got to be in here by a certain time. Your family's got to be to the stadium by a certain time. You know, tickets got to be in the night before. Like, um, you know, then for me, I got, I had my routine going in, working with the trainers. They said, listen, he's coming into the clubhouse at this time. If you're not in there by that time, the clubhouse is getting locked and you can't come in well i don't want to you know keep the trainers from getting an opportunity to meet him i wanted the opportunity to meet him you know so i had to go do all my stuff earlier well then we also get a crazy weather surge there in cincinnati where yeah i think it was like i don't know 48 degrees outside and like 30 mile an hour winds and you know it's overcast and you know it's just crazy weather coming from Florida right into that. Um, and then on top, there was just the whole circus of him being in there, security issues, timing, like it was, it was chaos. I know I didn't, uh, I didn't fare well against the Cubs uh, that day, but uh, it was definitely a, a treat. And I have a, a mural thing in my office that one of the, uh, one of the team guys had taken pictures. And so he put a big mural together and so i have that in my office which is pretty cool oh that's that's amazing uh, I, I mean i don't want to minimize it too pitching five consecutive opening days aaron uh, you gave consistency as mike alluded to uh about your career was that really uh the identifying way of how you pitched in the big leagues what did that mean to you pitching five in a row uh, the only other guy that did it in a red uniform is mario soto and he didn't even do it consecutively so wow Anytime I see Mario, we, yeah, you broke my record or you tied my record of five, five starts on opening day. I said, yeah, but I did it in a row. I think it took you seven years, you know? So I kind of, we, we kind of joke back and forth about that. Uh, uh, Mario and Mario's awesome. I've been around him a lot. Um, you know, and that was one thing the Reds did is they, they brought a lot of those guys back around. I know the first couple of years they didn't. And then, you know, then they started bringing, uh, the Castellini's took over and he wanted, he wanted the history there. He wanted the, the, you know, guys from the big red machine to start coming around. And, you know, so he had Mario Soto and well, Tom Hume was, you know, one of our, our bullpen coach. And um, I mean, he had a lot of guys that were, had been part of the Reds organization as players that were also there as coaching staff now. And, um, you know, so that was a treat. You get to, get to meet all those guys and jack billingham and jim maloney and i mean you know you had joe nuxall is your radio guy uh 
you know, youngest guy to ever pitch in the major leagues at 15 years old. Um, you know, we used to hear stories, he used to tell stories, yeah, I had to ride my bike to the field every day, you know? So it's like, <laughs> I, or, or my mom dropped me off, you know, it's kind of, so you kind of laugh yeah. about that. It's like, dude, you're 15, you're pitching in, in the major leagues and the best players in the world. I mean, that shows it's something. Insane. So, yeah. I, I think that's interesting too, because the rich history, I was fortunate enough to be in that uniform in 1999. Um, it, immediately when you go in that locker room, it's not necessarily all the players it has everything to do with the clubhouse staff, Rick Stowe and Bernie oh, Stowe. Yeah. So many great uh, personalities within that organization. But I do, uh, I, and I wanted to mention, I'm glad you did, the old left-hander, Joe, Joe Nuxall. Um, to me, as a position player, when I was there in 99, I couldn't wait to talk to him. Um, yeah. Obviously, he was making an impact on the radio with Marty Brenneman. But that that's a special guy that no one has ever mentioned anything bad about him. What was your relationship oh, no. with him and how was your conversations? Oh gosh. Um, I, I couldn't wait. I, you know, after I pitched like, you know, try and pitch the best you can and, and you get to meet up with him afterwards and go sit in, in Rick's office while he's, you know, come in. You're actually in the, like the right is the game's over. You know, the starter would be if the starter won uh, player of the game you were in the clubhouse. That was the first guy you talked to. Uh, and he'd be sitting in, in Rick's office, uh, smoking his heater and waiting <laughs> for you to come do his, do the interview with him. Uh, you know, but I talked to him when we, we'd get on the plane, I'd, I'd go up and sit by him sometimes. Um, you know, we'd go out golfing with, with Marty, uh, and Joe would come and, and golf. And so we talk golf a lot. Um, you know, but, he just, he would always talk, just, Hey, be consistent. Like just go out and, and be aggressive. Don't, you can't back off what you're doing when you're out there on the field. And, oh. uh, you know, Joe was, I ended up having get number 39, which was Joe's number one of Joe's numbers. I think when he was a rookie, when he first came up and then he got sent down and then he came up and they gave him 41, they had given 39 to somebody else. So wearing 39 was, was pretty special. Cause he's like, ah, oh, that's my, that was my first number. Well, then when I left Cincinnati, I came to San Diego, 39 was taken. So I took 41 in honor of Joe because Joe is just so that's like, I love that guy, man. He was such a treat to sit down and talk to. And, um, you know, I'd even sneak in. Sometimes he'd be he'd cut off after the seventh inning and come down and sit in Rick's office until the end of the game. And so I'd sneak in there sometimes and just, you know, we'd have baseball conversations. He'd talk about, you know, the difference of how the game's played. And even then compared to when he was playing and uh, you know, just talked about, you know, the love of the, the small things and, and playing small ball and, and creating excitement uh, during the game. So yeah, he was just a special guy. I still keep in touch with his, with his son, Kim Nuxall. Uh, you know, we've, we become friends with him and, you know, we, we helped support uh, his Nuxall, the miracle league uh, fields they have back there in Cincinnati, which is, amazing and was built in Joe's honor. And so that's, you know, just, you don't find many of those guys around and to be able to have the access and be able to, you know, just be around him and see what a just an amazing person he is in, in, in general was such a treat. Lifelong memories uh, that uh, you can never minimize because that's what creates you as a person. Uh, so those are, thank you for telling those stories. Um, you also played, as you mentioned, the Barry Larkin, Ken Griffey Jr., uh, being able to pitch and having those guys behind you, uh, uh, what, what was that like? Because that has to be uh, extra special. Obviously, two Hall of Famers. 
yeah. Um, you know, I mean, you just, you knew that if ball was hit around Barry, he was, he was going to track it down and make a play for you, you know, and, and, and Griff was the same way. And, you know, and Griff wasn't, there was a lot of people that, that criticized him when he was in Cincinnati, you know, because he was always injured. But when you watched him play, he played full tilt and he, but he always got, he would get injured playing to the maximum, you know, the, the, I mean, the infamous one, him rounding third and blowing his knee out. Um, I was in the, the one in San Francisco when he tore his hamstring from the bone going for a ball in the gap that, you know, most guys aren't even going to get to when they're fully healthy and, you know, and he's banged up. I mean, that, that Seattle turf took a toll on him, you know, but you, you watch the injuries he had, he got him going full tilt, you know? And so be able to play with those guys, I mean, just in the routines that they had. Um, and I remember the <laughs> story. I tell it all the time, uh, just how amazing Griffey is. Uh, he was, he got an off day and, I know he was, so he was in, Dusty told him, dude, you got that day off, go get your workout in, do whatever, you know, you, you're not going to get in there. Lo and behold, like the sixth or seventh inning, um, we were down and uh, Dusty said, hey, somebody go track Griff down. I just, I need him to pinch hit. And so he came down, he had been up working out with some shorts and a, a t-shirt, you know, just finished out with the strength coach. And uh, he went in, threw his stuff on over his workout gear, threw his spikes on, went down, hadn't taken a lick of BP, swung a bat all day, and went down and uh, walked up to the plate. Not even a practice swing, first pitch, went deep, and it came back around, gave high fives, and said, All right, I got to go finish my workout, and went back upstairs <laughs> and finished the workout. But it's like, Who does that? <laughs> you know, who, who can do that physically and not even prepare? Like, you know, taking a baseball activity all day long and go up and first pitch against a major leaguer and go deep and, you know, okay, I'm going to go finish my workout now. Thanks. <laughs> That's what superheroes do, I'm told. <laughs> right? Hall it, of Famers. I mean, seriously, <laughs> it, it's it was unbelievable. Uh, so it's definitely a treat to get to play with those guys and, and see the routine and the work they put in to prepare themselves and, you know, get their bodies ready to go out and compete at that level at the highest level. Aaron, I want to talk about what you did on a personal level, because I can look at your stats like any fan can and look at 2007 and go, oh, wow, Aaron Harang finished fourth in the Cy Young balloting. But it was your 2006 year that, at least on the outside, statistically looked most impressive. You had 16 wins. You uh, had six complete games, Little League in strikeouts with 216. You made 35 starts. Buddy, you were a stalwart in that rotation when you look at that year specifically uh any special memories anything that says yeah that was the year it all seemed to click you know um the one thing when i got over to cincinnati so with oakland it was you know i was the fifth guy i was the guy that you know would get bumped i would the guy that oh you're gonna get bumped so you're gonna be the long guy and whatever else oh i got to cincinnati and i remember my first outing I walked in, met the manager, which is uh, Dave Miley and the pitching coach, Don Gullett. And they said, hey, 110 pitches, go out and get them. We'll come get you once you hit your pitch count. We don't care how you do. And so it's like, wow, I get to actually 
try and pitch. Like I get to go out and, you know, I'm going to get myself out of my own jams and 110, they're going to come get me and that's going to be it. So, you know, it took a couple of years and, and, you know, getting consistent with, you know, pitching to Jason LaRue and having him behind the dish. And, you know, we went into 06, uh, they traded for uh, Bronson Arroyo uh, in spring training and they got David Ross in spring training. And David and Bronson had pitched, played together for the Pirates. And so they had a history. I had my history with, um, with LaRue for, you know, a couple of years. And so I ended up consistently pitching to Jason. Uh, and, but me and Bronson, we, we had a, a fun little, uh, you know, banter back and forth. And uh, we were probably each other's biggest cheerleaders. Like I would tell him, Hey, I'm going to go out. I'm going to, I'm going to, deal today i want to see what you got in your next start and see if you can beat it you know okay you know and so he's if i if i looked at the dugout who was sitting at the top of the top steps watching me pitch bronson you know and so we would kind of go back and forth and challenge each other to one up one another but we were also each other's biggest supporter because i was pushing him he was pushing me so we were you know it's just that friendly competitiveness you know and, and pushing each other to to be the best we could be and I mean he led the league in innings pitched I was third in innings pitched and between the both of us I think we had close to 500 innings just between both of us and so having a guy like that that you, you knew you could kind of push uh to to make him better and he was pushing you to make your, yourself better um you know that was just kind of a treat you don't find that a whole lot uh you know with find one guy and completely different personalities <laughs> yeah. he was the most chill just wanted to play his guitar and and just you know had his own routine and stuff and mine was completely opposite of him mine was all about lifting heavy and and you know he was about lifting light and but it all worked together and and it was just a drive for each of us to go out and be the best we could and cheer each other on so uh, you know, that was one thing that people didn't realize that we, we had that, uh, had that, you know, uh, kind of friendship and, and, you know, uh, good sportsman banter back and forth with each other. Yeah. Those friendships are, uh, invaluable. I, I think that's what, uh, really brings us to life of what we have to do. Those challenges, those friendly competitions, um, Aaron, if you look at it too, you, you grew up in San Diego, uh, Patrick Henry high school, right outside of San Diego, you get an opportunity to be, put a Padre uniform on in 2011. Uh, what was that like? And, and was it uh, more important to the family or was it uh, really cool for you? I think, I think both, um, you know, my, uh, my wife, uh, obviously we've, we've known each other since junior high. Uh, we went to the same junior high, you know, middle school, and then went to high school together and started dating our senior year. Um, you know, and so she, she grew up, my five or six blocks from me. Um, and then, you know, so they were always a big Padres, you know, support. They, they love the Padres. And then, you know, obviously my family as well. So being able to say I got to wear a Padres uniform um, was, was pretty awesome. And, you know, I, I, I ended up picking going to the Padres and, and took less money to say I got to play it for my hometown team uh you know just because it was something that was 
that I wanted to do. I wanted to be able to pitch in front of my friends and family and uh, be in my own house, uh, sleep in my own bed uh, every time because I always kept my home base here in San Diego. So, What was that like? Uh, did you have anybody that in particular that you looked up to when you were, you were a young kid watching the Padres as a fan? You know, uh, obviously Tony, uh, you know, who, who doesn't is a, a San Diego fan who doesn't love watching Tony Gwynn and, and just knowing the, the personality is that he is, um, you know, it, it was really cool. And my brother ended up playing with, uh, with junior, uh, you know, they played against each other in high school and they played together at San Diego state for four, uh, you know, three years. So, um, and he got to play for Tony. And so, you know, I got to, to get to know Tony and, you know, we had some good conversations and, you know, he was, uh, he'd allow us to come out to the field and work out in off season and, you know, get ourselves prepared for our upcoming spring training and the, the season. So, uh, you know, and so to be able to have that, to be able to say, I got to play for my hometown team, you know, get to grow up watching one of my, you know, favorite players. Um, and obviously another guy, you, well, you see his uniform, you got the same one in your, your background right. as Hoppy. Uh, you know, I, that's where I got to meet, uh, Trevor and, you know, Trevor, Trevor was awesome. I, I met him, uh, you know, in the off season going into that 2011 season, he would be down at the stadium, uh, working out. And so, you know, he, uh, he was always fun to, to get to talk to. And, you know, whenever we see each other now, it's, you know, it's usually out on a golf course more, more than likely. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but you know, it's, it's such a treat to be able to, you know, get to be part of the, the Padres family and, you know, play for your hometown team. 2012, uh, you head up the five freeway and you play in the Dodgers uniform, very, uh, a contrasting, uh, environment from <laughs> yeah. San Diego to LA. I'll, I'll, I'll be very, yeah. uh, cause I had to do that too, Aaron. It, it, it's yeah. uh, not an easy thing, but you had an opportunity and why I mentioned this when you were there with the Dodgers, Mike and I were working for the San Diego Padres and we were up there for this game doing our pre and post game show. And we're right next to the first base dugout. And we watch you throw nine consecutive strikeouts in that game. Uh, everything was going. What do you remember about that moment and, and that uh, uh, special night? Um, well, you know what? I won't forget that date either. Cause it was actually my wife's birthday. So, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, no, it was, it was crazy. Cause I remember, um, obviously and the five days before I faced the Padres here in San Diego and, and they, they beat me up pretty good. Um, you know, and, and, but I knew, I knew that lineup, I think. Uh, and that was one thing buddy did too. When I was pitching San Diego, he had me start against the reds in spring training. Cause he said, the first time you face your opposing your former team, you try and overdo it. And he goes, you usually get beat up. So he, he did that the first time I faced the reds in spring training and they, they crushed me. Um, going into the season that next year I faced the Padres first time during the season they beat me up the first outing um but yeah I remember I gave up a hit to Cameron Mabin up the middle and then proceeded to there just <laughs> strike out strike out strike I didn't realize what was going on like I was I was just such in the zone that um you know I was just out there just executing pitches and had them totally uh totally befuddled they were and I remember the next day they came in there like, dude, that was insane. And 
they said they were even rooting for me to continue, you know, try because <laughs> they said after you got to like seven, eight, we were like, isn't that some kind of record? Like the guys, you know, they, I won't say who, who told me that, but uh, they were like, dude, we were, we were like, keep going, keep going. Like we want you to get, if you can get that record, dude, that's, that's awesome. So uh, yeah. And I, and then of course, uh, Will Venable uh, ended up, we, we scored like four in the, I think it was the bottom of the third inning. And so I kind of had that lull in between because Clayton Richard was matching me pitch for pitch. It was kind of, it was crazy. We were back and forth. And I think the first three innings we got done in like 40 minutes, it was something ridiculous. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we scored four on him in the, in the bottom of the third. And so it kind of with you know, that lulling break where you kind of get out of your rhythm a little bit. And, uh, I went out and faced Venable first hitter and got him to a three, one count and, uh, threw him a sinker down and away and he split, you know, hit one out oppo. And so I still give Will crap for that. You know, <laughs> I'll tell you, yeah, I still remember you broke up, you know, my, my consecutive strikeout run, but, uh, yeah, I could, couldn't be a better guy to do it. You know, if, if you got to pick somebody to, to beat you, you know, it's better to pick a guy like that. So Will's one of the great guys in the league. I'll tell you this, Aaron, Mark and I were sitting next to each other as he was mentioning and, we're probably five, six strikeouts into this, and we're looking at the guys walking back, and they're they're getting frazzled, like they they're disheartened, <laughs> right? They're going like, "Are we str- are we swinging unstrung tennis rackets up there? We can't get <laughs> yeah. anything going off this guy." Sweens looks at me and he goes, "Hey, Mike, I'm not sure, but but he's got to be getting close to some kind of record here." It yeah. was remarkable to watch. Yeah, I remember Bartlett, Jason Bartlett. Uh, said to me the next day he's like dude he goes i swear i went back and was checking all my bats because he's like there's got to be a hole in these bats man and he says he goes we saw it we saw the pitch but it just by the time we swung it was already in the catcher's glove or it was you know diving down below the zone it he said it was just yeah he's the couple of them were like we just we saw it but it just felt like it was never there it was just biased before we could react oh it was absurd man that was a special moment so that's 2012 uh, you'd go on to pitch till you're 37 years old, 2015, and after 14 really solid, as you said, uh, in almost injury-free, basically, years in the big leagues, remarkable run, no surgeries, to your point. Uh, you're out of the game, and you start looking for things to do. I know you're raising a family, but what's been in the hopper, and, and what do you have on the forecast? You know, uh, I literally, and I was training to go play in 16. And I got an offer from the Tigers and to go as a non-roster and, you know, I was just packing up and it was just like, it just, there was something. It just, I'm trying to pack up and it was just like, it just doesn't feel right. You know, uh, I'm looking at the schedule. Okay. I'm not going to see my family for like eight weeks now. And, and I had done that the whole spring before with Philly. I didn't get to see, I saw him the first week we were out there and then they had to come back home. Um, and so it's just, there's something just wasn't sitting with me. Right. That just, you know, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't right to me in my gut. And so I just, that's when I just decided, Hey, it's, you know what? I, I, I don't want to be away from them. I'd rather be at home now. And, you know, I've had my run, my biggest support, my wife is, I mean, she was there since day one. And, uh, you know, I just, I just knew I had, I, it was time. And I called, couple buddies and lo and behold I actually called 
David Weathers, uh, you know, one of my best friends in baseball, um, and talked to him, and he said, you know, when you just when you get that gut feeling, it's, it's just time to go, time time to hang them up and and find something else to do. And so now I'm coaching little league, and you know, I'm helping. Uh, actually, I'm helping uh, Anthony Gwynn Jr. Uh, run his travel ball stuff, I'm doing the pitching uh, throwing programs for all that, and. Uh, you know, then my oldest one decided to play softball in middle school, so she convinced me to help coach. So now I learned how to fast pitch, uh, throw batting practice. So nice, uh, something I get to do now. And now she's out of it, going into high school. So she said she's going to try out for the high school softball team. They obviously middle school had to sit out this last year. And then my youngest one, one of my twins, uh, she's going into fifth grade, but she can play on the middle school team. So she. She ended up joining our little league team this year and playing for the first time with my son, uh, little league. And then she's going to try and do softball. So I told her I'd help coach the team next year. Um, so yeah. And then I'll probably help coach, uh, you know, the JV or, or varsity team in high school for softball too. try and help out with that. It's just, it's fun. You know, I like to pass on the, the information I have learned over the years and a little, uh, tricks and tips and you know how to make adjustments and you know how to watch pitchers and they see if they're tipping pitches and you know all the the little and, and you know to bring it back fundamentals i feel like there's so many fundamentals that are lost right now in the game and and you know i i get it with the lily kids they're like well, well big leaguers you know they don't feel that the you know with the alligator it, you know when the balls hit to them on the ground they're off to the side so, you know, there's a lot of explaining of that, that, hey, they were where you were. They practiced a lot. They're very good with their glove and their hands, and they worked at it, and they've gotten so good. They're at the most elite level. You guys got to understand that. They've been doing it for 20-plus years now, and they've all been where you were, and they've all had the dreams. So keep the dream alive, you know, for you young players, and just keep working at it, and, you know, hopefully you get a shot to get there. So, um you know, so I get to just, it's, it's fun working with the kids and I still do some part-time stuff with the Reds going out to spring training as a guest instructor and do stuff with the Reds hall of fame people, uh, doing the fantasy camp, uh, which I have a blast doing. And I actually tow the rubber and still go out and pitch to those guys, uh, at the end of the week at fantasy camp. And I, I let it go. I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll throw, you know, I'm throwing low eighties still. Impressive. Um, Yeah. It just I, takes I, longer to recover and more ice bags, and, right? Oh, yeah. Your arm hurts way more. Um, <laughs> you know, I did a tournament a couple summers ago with uh, Heath Bell and Brett Tomko and some other guys, a bunch of other guys in Louisville. And uh, yeah, I, I went out, I spent like a month and a half throwing, getting ready for it. And I went out, I was hitting 87, still a couple years out. Curveball was garbage, but change up <laughs> and fastball was there. So, you know, it worked <laughs> enough. I ended up punching the side out the first two innings. So, um, you know, yeah, it was, it's still a lot of fun. I miss the game. I miss the camaraderie, but I don't miss being away from my family and I don't miss the aches and pains that my body has after playing. It's, you know, so there's a, there's a give and a take, but, you know, still try and do some stuff with, uh, the teams that I was part of and I still keep in touch with their alumni groups and, you know, the, the, major league baseball alumni association. And, you know, so I, I'm still doing little things, but yeah, I, I think my big enjoyment is 
you know, teaching the young kids the proper fundamentals and seeing them progress from year to year. So really, really cool that you're paying it forward. And I'm sure a lot of these young players and parents are super appreciative that you would take the time to impart that kind of wisdom. Boy, Aaron Harang, 14 seasons in the sun, eight different teams, really, really solid big league career. Can't thank you enough for joining us on the podcast today. Oh, I appreciate you guys having me on. Well, folks, thanks for checking out Major League Beginnings presented by Bet Online. And if you had as much fun as we did, please go ahead, hit the subscribe button anywhere you usually download your podcast from. You pick the platform, including Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, whatever you like. We're just glad to have you aboard. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.